Coming in as Loom. Bill Dyke centered it. Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway. It is Tuesday, July 4th. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to our friends listening south of the border. And this is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's how you get Flames Talk on demand. And, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Vicks, let's talk some goaltending here because... I think this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch play out over the next number of months. Under contract right now, goalies with, I guess he's throwing Oscar Dansk as well. It's four, but we'll take Oscar out of this conversation because he's very clearly one of their American League goalies for the time being. But the three goalies that will get significant NHL consideration barring injury this year will be Jacob Markstrom, Dan Vladar, a Markstrom in his fourth season with the Flames. It'll be Vladar's third season with the Flames and Dustin Wolf, who made his NHL debut late last year. And as of right now, I think it's fair to say that all three of those guys need NHL time next season. If, if all three of those goalies are on the Flames and remain part of the organization, fair to say that all three need to get NHL games and, and need to be getting NHL games as next season goes along. Would you disagree with that? Not at all. Okay. So we're on board with that? From a, well, I mean, Markstrom needs to play NHL games. Vladar's an NHL goalie as well. Wolf needs more NHL experience. You can't just give him 60 minutes and then let him sit another year. He needs to get some starts in the NHL. So I think the Flames were trying to get something done on the goaltending front while they were in Nashville, uh, but nothing ended up coming to fruition. I, I, I definitely think that they understand they've got an opportunity to potentially deal from a p- position of strength and understand that, Having those three guys on the roster or in the organization creates somewhat of a logjam. So I, I do think that they were uh, grinding and, and trying to get something down, exploring options in Nashville, but nothing really came to fruition. And as it stands right now, now that we're well into free agency and we've seen some of the goaltenders that have been signed in free agency, I think there is a decent enough chance a solid chance they go into next season with three goaltenders. That's not a guarantee. They could still find a deal between now and the start of next season. And it's funny, going back months ago when the season ended, even late into the regular season, my feel was go into next season with all three guys on the roster. As much as it does create a logjam, get creative with it and have all three of Markstrom, Vladar, and Wolf on your roster next year. That's been my take going back to, I don't know, March or April. Uh, I don't know if that's what the Flames ideally want to do, but they realize, I think, that they might have to do that. It might be in the cards and there may not be a trade that materializes this summer. I don't know. This was Craig Conroy Saturday at the Dome uh, after free agency was open, and he was asked a couple of questions about Dustin Wolf and about his goaltenders. Uh, this is what he had to say about Dustin Wolf and potentially getting some playing time going into next season. The thing is, Dustin has been unbelievable for two years. I mean, obviously, goalie of the year the first year, MVP of the league the second year. You know, he's right there. 
we have two very good goalies here and you know in Markstrom and Vladar so you know I know there's no perfect scenario on that but we just know that he's coming you know he's he's a guy that we think is a real valuable piece in the organization we look forward to it the one thing about young guys you still want them to play um, so you want them to get games do I want them to get NHL games yes but do I want him to sit for a month and not play? No, I don't want him to do that. So, I mean, it's a, that's a fine line because you, you want young players to play games. So, you know, next year will be a little bit of a – it'll be tighter and a little bit more strategic how we move forward with the goaltenders. But, you know, I think if we come up with a good plan that we can, we can work with all three for sure. So, again, I still think that a potential trade could happen. But let's, for the sake of this next conversation – Assume that a trade doesn't happen. You know, that that possibility is still open, of course, and could change in 24 or 48 hours. But for the sake of this conversation we're about to have for the next 20 minutes or so, let's assume that they aren't able to trade one of Jacob Markstrom or Dan Vladar here. Can they make three goaltenders work next year? And my answer is yes, 100%. They can make three goaltenders work next year. It just has to be done right. And I don't think, this is just my feel, text line's open, by the way, 960-960, jump in. I don't think you carry three goaltenders on the roster at all times. I think that is something you need to avoid. I think you need to use Wolf's waiver exemption, and you need to use the NHL and AHL schedule to your advantage here. And the fact that you share the same city is partially an advantage as well. I think you need to use that exemption and and pick and choose spots on the schedule. And Craig even just alluded to it right there, that they're willing to get strategic and creative with it. That's the way you do it. I don't think you can have all three goaltenders on the roster indefinitely, but for a weekend or for a week, I think it's manageable, and that's the way that you can get Dustin into some NHL games. Well, and Craig also said right there, at the same time, getting him into NHL games, but still getting him enough playing time, augmenting with the American League, so that he's still playing a full schedule. Yeah, listening to Craig Conroy on Saturday, I couldn't help but be reminded of your suggestion of having Dustin Wolf in the minors, having him with the Calgary Wranglers and spot starting him as you see fit in the NHL. Because as Conroy said, there's no perfect scenario here. You still want him to get games. You don't want him to go a month between games. Well, he can still be your number one in stock or in Stockton in, in Calgary here with the Wranglers, but you can still have the ability to call him up, send him down, call him up, send him down. And there's some cap implications here. And as it stands right now, the Calgary flames, I went to cap friendly and built out the current roster with okay. the uh, armchair GM. I've got 12 forward, seven defense, two goalies and about 650 grand left. So the Calgary flames do need to make a move to facilitate this. I don't think that's necessarily worth uh, lobbying, lobbying into this conversation because the Calgary flames have a little bit of room. I'm sure they'll fr- free up some more. So ideally, if you could find a way to work Dustin Wolf in for 10 to 15 NHL starts and between 40 and 45 AHL starts, I think that's a great recipe for him because you give him a taste, you give him some teaching time, but then you also give him time in the minors to apply what he's learned. So he played 56 games last year, 55 with the Wranglers, one with the Flames. If you can somehow negotiate double digits in the NHL and a accommodate accordingly with his AHL schedule. Yeah. I think that helps his development. I think that's the way to go. I don't necessarily think having him back up Jacob Markstrom and, and getting spots started here or there in terms of, well, he's going to play once this week and then 
He's going to wait two weeks and then play again. I don't think that's great for the development of a goalie that hasn't even turned 23 yet. So I'm I'm all in favor of this whole spot start scenario where you still have Markstrom, you still have Vladar, and you have Dustin Wolf eating you know 10 percent of the starts a year. So the I don't do not believe they have um, uh, released the American League schedule as of yet. So the AHL schedule still has to come out. But I just go and take a look at at the Wranglers schedule last year. So just for instance, I'm looking right at October. They played Friday, October 21st, October 22nd, then not again until October 28th and 29th. And that's a bad example because they were all on the road, but sometimes they'll come home and sometimes they'll go on the weekend. In fact, I know for a fact on that trip, they went down to, to Colorado and then came back and then went to Coachella Valley the following weekend. So you go, so say you go down, let's just say, for instance, you got a Friday, Saturday in Colorado. And Dustin Wolf gets both those games, or gets one of those games, one or two of those games. Then you come back out, come back to Calgary. The Flames just happen to be at home that week. And maybe you get Dustin Wolf one game in the NHL on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then he's back in for one of the back to back games the following weekend in Coachella Valley. That way you're using his waiver exemption. He's in, he's on the roster, he's not on the roster. You're getting him NHL starts, giving him that carrot, giving him that reward for being the best goaltender in the American League the last two years. Also getting him enough playing time so that he's not languishing. He's still getting plenty of ice time and plenty of action. And you start to build it that way. And I I, I thought about it. So something, and it won't always work that way. Sometimes the Wranglers are playing midweek. You won't be able to do it like this at all times, but there will be plenty of opportunities for you to do that. And I just thought to myself, so if the Flames average, say, around 12 games a month, and sometimes it'll be more, sometimes it'll be less, but let's say they average around 12 games a month. In an average 12-game month, could you not find a way to get Wolf in for three, Vladar in for three, and Markstrom for six, or something like that. Maybe one month it's it's Wolf for two, or Vladar gets the other one, or maybe one month Wolf gets four and you take one away from Markstrom. I just, I don't think it's completely untenable, and it's not the first time that something has been done like this. Buffalo's done it before. Nashville did it for a couple of years for a half a season each with UC Soros as he was starting to make his way to the NHL. This is not an unprecedented thing that you're working with, and the fact the Flames have their American League facilities, their American League team, their American League practice ice, all of that in the same city makes it infinitely more easy, I think, to make something like this happen That way, maybe it goes on for three months and somebody gets hurt elsewhere in the NHL. Now, all of a sudden, somebody has a need for a goaltender and they come knocking on your door about Dan Vladar in December or January. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, well, Dustin's been really good in his NHL spot starts. We still have Jacob. Let's make a move now. This team's offering us a a second-round pick and a prospect or a third-round pick and a prospect for Vladar. And now you are in a much more manageable situation. That to me is how you make this a little bit more of a workable situation. The only issue or the only wrench I can see kind of being thrown into a plan like this is that one, it has to be incredibly fluid because hypothetically you're giving Markstrom 50% of the starts, 25 for Vladar, 25 for Dustin Wolf. Text line 960-960 is going to absolutely roast me on this one. What if you're competitive? What if you're top two or three in the Pacific Division? What if Jacob Markstrom is suddenly the Markstrom from two seasons ago where he's the Vezina runner-up? He's got like a 920 save percentage, 2.3 goals against average. 
how much do you deviate off your spot start plan if you've got one goalie that's absolutely carrying you to success? Well, I think that there's going to be a little bit more cohesion with Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska than there were with Brad Trilliving and Daryl Sutter, to be perfectly honest with you. And I, I, this is probably easier said than done if you're Craig and Ryan in July as opposed to January or February. I'll grant you that. But if, they, if they've got a development plan and they are very adamant that Dustin's development is as important as on-ice success with the NHL team or in the same in the same realm, I I don't think it's that much of a problem. If if that is a plan that they're willing to stick to, then I think it's something that you can work around. And if you're having a decent enough amount of success with it and Wolf has shown that he's getting the job done, come the trade deadline, maybe you move a guy like Vladar. I just but at the same time, that gives you the flexibility that if Wolf's not ready, if Wolf is like, he, you give him six or seven starts in the first two months of the season and he gets shelled in four of them. I'm not saying that's going to happen because my guess would be it doesn't happen. I mean, goaltending is stupid to predict. Correct. But just everything that I've seen from the guy, why would I believe that's going to happen? But if it does happen and he's not ready, lots of guys have not been ready in their first opportunity or first few opportunities opportunities in the NHL we say okay Dustin you're not quite ready it's been rough we're going to keep you in the American League for the next two months then you've got a cushion and now you're not riding in a spot where you're like geez Dustin we don't know if he's ready and we got to get him games this way he can go back to the American League still be outstanding down there keep his reps and games going then you have the cushion of Markstrom and Vladar at the NHL level and then you give it another go a few months down the road I just it gives you I think more flexibility it's not the ideal situation, but when you've got three goaltenders that all want and probably deserve NHL playing time and, and the trade market, which we'll get to in just a second, but the trade market isn't super robust for moving goaltenders right now. It, it might be a necessary evil you have to dive into. Okay. Let me throw another one at you then say that scenario that I just unfolded is accurate where you're, you're competitive, you're top two in the division, Jacob Markstrom's bounced back. Now you want him starting 75% of those games. Do you steal those starts from Dustin Wolf's development pool, or do you take them from Dan Vladar? Who's more important in that sense of no knock we need to on make Vladar, sure that we get the starts? No knock on Vladar, but it would be Wolf probably. Okay, I don't disagree with you there at all. Wolf's the 22-year-old yep. phenom potential next franchise goaltender and a guy that you can't screw up. And you've got to, you know, everything that you do... So maybe maybe he gets four or five starts, and it's just like, geez, you know, we think he's going to be ready. We think he's going to be fine. But right now he's having a little bit of a slower adaptation to NHL shooters and his reaction time. We think it's going to get there. But Jordan Sigalet and Jason LaBarba say a little bit more time in the AHL. We give him a couple of things to focus on specifically once he goes back down there. Let's not mess up his confidence anymore. Let's. There, there are always ways that you can deviate from a plan. But I just feel like this does give you some options. Doesn't set a guy up to fail. Doesn't put you in an organizational position where you're relying on somebody who's maybe not ready. And that's the negative side of it. On the flip side, if Dustin Wolf is damn ready, which I think a lot of us believe he will be, well, now all of a sudden you're dealing from a much larger position of strength. And now you're looking at, okay, you know, we've, we've got some options here. And let's really start to explore a trade. And, and 
I don't know. I just, I feel like all things considered, based on the situation and based on the trade market right now, it's not the worst spot to be in if you're the Flames. If you do it correctly, if you're willing to be strategic and creative with it. I have uh, no disagreement with that plan. The thing I would add to it, and you kind of alluded to it or mentioned to it, if Dustin Wolf looks, passes the eye test, I'm not really necessarily as concerned about what his save percentage is, what are high dangers, goals against, so on and so forth. If he looks it, once the Calgary Flames get to the NHL trade deadline, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised if they pared down to two at that point and let him run for the last quarter of the season in the NHL as Markstrom's backup or as a 1A, 1B, depending on how each is playing at that time. Now, let me ask you this question that I'm going to guarantee will elicit an eye roll from you. Okay. Do you carry three goalies with the Wranglers? Just because with travel and situation and whatnot, are you only going spot starts where no, you know you can get your guy it's, back? It's far less of an issue carrying three American right. League goalies. So I don't think there's any problem with, with doing that. Okay. I just just from and a logistical standpoint, that. and you'd need to basically, because if you're going to take Dustin Wolf on the road or, you know, even if he's getting back from playing two games in five days in the NHL, you probably want that uh, rest and recovery time for him. Yeah. So I figured I figured an AHL logistical question might uh, might raise your eyebrow, but you handle it like a pro. Um. Well, thank you. I still don't think that a trade is completely out of the question this summer, but a lot of teams have seemingly figured out their goaltending for now. And again, this can all change once games are being played for real. But Detroit signed James Reimer and Alex Lyon. And New Jersey signed Shalgren, and Pittsburgh signed Nadelkovich. Winnipeg signed Brassois and Delia. Uh, Delia or Delia? Delia. Del- Delia. Thank you. No worries. Um, the Sharks acquired and then signed Blackwood. Ottawa signed Corpusalo. L.A. signed Talbot. Like a lot of teams that you would point to have already filled goaltending gaps via free agency, haven't given up assets to bring in. So I don't know how many trade partners you're actually going to have looking for a guy like Vladar or Markstrom this, this summer. It might have to be training camp, somebody goes down with an injury, or early on, first few months of the season, somebody goes down with an injury elsewhere around the league. That's when you make a move. It just it, the, the cards may not be aligned to make something happen this summer especially now that they weren't able to get anything done at the draft and free agency has gone the way that it has. Well, and that's the, uh, the other side of the coin to the patient approach of Craig Conroy. And I'm not suggesting that some, he needed to go out and rush and, and find a new home for Dan, Dan Vladar or explore the goalie market, what have you. But suddenly there are fewer trade partners once you get to July 4th versus June 30th. And you ran through the list of teams that have already dr- addressed their deficiencies in goal, whether it be a one B potential guy, a full time starter, whether it's not just organizational depth. So, having said that, you're you're limited to where you can go. And as you mentioned, well, does it take injury? Does it take struggle? Maybe it takes a trade. Maybe it takes John Gibson moving out of Anaheim to free up a landing spot in Anaheim for a goalie from the Calgary Flames. There's so many wrinkles to this but this is where the patient approach goes okay well you've ran Mm -hmm. out of certain dance partners so now you better find one before you got to leave the bar well and let's read a few texts because as i expected this one does uh rile up the text line a little bit anytime you talk goaltending it seems to um this uh this says 
refresh my memory. How were Wolves' numbers against Coachella in the playoffs? Not great, as I re- recall. Maybe he's not quite ready. I'm not. Look, I think that whether Dustin Wolf's numbers were as good in the playoffs or not, he's been the two-time AHL goaltender of the year. Uh, I think it's time for him to, at the very least, start seeing more NHL time. And I know that his numbers weren't as good in the postseason as they were in the regular season, but that is what it is. Like I, I'm not, I'm not super worried about him. Maybe he's not ready, but I don't think he was a nine twelve in the playoffs and he a two point six seven goals. Like those aren't bad numbers. They weren't as good as they were. But I'm not, I'm not looking at those nine starts and saying to myself, well, that proves that proves that he's not ready. I, I still think he absolutely is deserving of a shot. Yeah, they nine twelve two point six seven goals against average regular season. He had two oh nine and a nine thirty two in the season before that. He had a two three five and a nine twenty four in the season before that. He was WHL goalie of the year, and before that, he was WHL goalie of the year. Like all he's done through his development path is quite literally be the best goalie at whatever league he's been at. So to use a what was that series five games? Coachella Valley, yeah, yeah. game five. Yep. So to use a For five the- game sample size versus. Well, they went you to know, five in both of them, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah, they went five against the... Uh, didn't they go four against Utica? Did they go four against the Canucks, uh, Abbotsford? Or, um, sorry, yes. Yeah, sorry, it, was, it would have been four. Yeah, it would wow, have four dating against, myself there. Four against Abbotsford, five against Coachella Valley. Pardon me, thanks they for the correction. They were close there. to going five. You started to get a little worried, but then they were able to wrap up in game four in Abbotsford. Yeah, so if you're looking at a five-game sample size in the playoffs versus 55 in the regular season, one in the NHL, 47 the year before that, I don't know if that's necessarily the the best indicator. Yeah. Uh, what else we got on the text line at 960-960? Uh, how many more years is Wolf's contract? Is he just going to leave two if he doesn't see some NHL time? Well, the important thing there is, I believe he's still five years away from until he's twenty seven because he won't he won't hit the, he won't uh, hit the seasons. Years. Yeah, yeah. So he he'll hit, hit the, the age threshold, not the years of service. If threshold. you're wondering what we're talking about, unrestricted free agency is twenty seven or seven years. There's certain thresholds or certain criteria you got to make to accrue a counting year towards your unrestricted free agency. So it'll be. 27 when Dustin Wolf is an unrestricted free agent. So they've got five years of, unless he goes the group six route, which I don't think they will let happen. No. So, so they've got five years, essentially a team control with Dustin Wolf. So I don't, I don't think you need to worry about that. Um, this says how many, how, how would Vladar and Markstrom feel about this rotation? I'm pretty sure they both want to play. And I think the, the message there would be like, boys, this is a business. Like, Prove that you're better than this guy. Make it make it so that we don't have a choice to play you, right? Yeah, you want more starts? Play better. It's a competition. It doesn't matter whether you're a 33-year-old veteran of 10 years or you know a guy that's got four or five years in the NHL of service or if you've got one NHL game. You want to make sure you spend the most time in the crease? Play the best. It's simple as yeah. that. Uh, exactly. This says what happens if Dan Vladar plays incredibly well as well as Wolf. Good. Awesome. That helps the team. Goaltending was a problem last year. And so if you're getting good goaltending, that that's good news. And, you know, maybe if Markstrom isn't holding up his end of the bargain, maybe Vladar gets even more starts. And that, like there's, it just gives you lots of options and lots of different things to, to look at. 
Um, this says, if Markstrom does have a bounce back season, on the nights you want to give him a night off, you give him the complete night off, and either Wolf or Vladar starts, and Markstrom's in the press box. That comes from Greg and Varsity. I think there's absolutely something to that. That gives him even more rest, not worrying about morning skate and being out there late with the shooters and all that type of stuff. There's, uh, I think, Greg, there's a real, real lot of wisdom in that. Um, this says, why are the Flames so hard on Vladar when he had under a 900 save percentage last year, give the kid a chance. Well, I also think that you're looking to boost a guy's trade value too. Like I think you're, you're looking, you want all the guys to play well. So we all believe there's potential there with Vladar. What we saw in year one, got a lot of people excited. Year two was, he had a lot of wins in a row, yes. but he also, you know, the, the numbers were kind of right in line, save percentage with where Markstrom's were. I think the big thing from a Calgary Flames perspective is the one stat that they value the most out of their goalies is wins. And he was it nine in a row, ten in a row? What was, and did he tie the record? Did he set the record? I'm trying I to remember that the he tied the Flames record for most consecutive wins. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, that's the number that matters most to to the Calgary Flames front office is how many wins did you give us and how many starts did you try doing so? Uh, so that's uh, there's there's the goaltending conversation I wanted to get into. Just wanted to play this quickly on the Francis Show, which is available over on the Sportsnet Today podcast feed right now, um, wherever you get your podcasts. Eric had a couple of really good guests on today. Talked with Matthew Phillips, now of the Washington Capitals. Really interesting conversation with Milan Lucic, now of the Boston Bruins. Um, I really encourage you to go check out both. That hour is up again on the Sportsnet Today podcast feed. As much as I don't like promoting Eric's work. Oh, it's on the Hockey Central uh, podcast feed. Sorry. It's on the Hockey Central podcast feed. I thought it went Sportsnet Today for some reason. Uh, Go check out the Hockey Central podcast feed for the Eric Francis show on this Tuesday. As much as I don't like promoting this man's work, this was good stuff. No, I do. Uh, and and it's always a really good storytelling. Listen, uh, every uh, every week on the Francis Show, the Luch stuff, lots of good stuff about him leaving Calgary, maybe some of what went wrong this past year. I just thought it was really interesting listening to Matthew Phillips talk about why he chose Washington on a one-year, one-way deal on day one of free agency, or I guess maybe day two of free agency. But this was uh, Matthew Phillips on Tuesday's Eric Francis Show. It happened pretty quickly. They uh, they weren't really the first team that came to my mind, um, but then they uh, there was some interest there. And um, about a minute into free agency, I, I got a call from uh, Spencer Tarberry, their head coach, and uh, he reached out and we had a good chat. So uh, that was uh, a, a pretty positive thing. And and from there, just kind of put some thought into it and and weighed other options and you know thought about what was important for me and. They checked a lot of boxes, so uh, I'm very excited about it. So I I would be excited for it as well. Like, you're getting a one-way contract for the first time. He talked a little bit about leaving Calgary. No ill will, but just felt this opportunity was better for him. And I don't blame him. Mitch Love believes in him. Mitch Love's now on Spencer Carberry's staff. And that, I think, is a huge selling point. Oh, yeah. Number two... I'd be a little pissed at the way things went this past season, the past two seasons, if I'm Matthew as well. You've been one of the best American League players the last two years, and you've gotten 17 NHL minutes. And I know the number one, maybe the only hurdle, is no longer with the organization. Daryl Sutter was the hurdle. He did not believe he was an NHL player. Point blank, didn't believe it. And nothing that management did was going to change that. He wasn't going to play him. So it just made more sense to send him back to the AHL. 
But that leaves a sour taste. And I don't think there was really anything Craig Conroy could have done to excise that sour taste. And so you're in this situation. They offered him a two-way deal. It had a one-way contract in year two. He got the one-way one year in Washington with his AHL coach who believes in, believes in him and thinks the world of him. I don't blame Matthew, and I don't think the Flames do either. They feel like they gave him a contract that they were comfortable with and that, that they can go to sleep at night offering. Matthew choose, chose to go to Washington. I wish the kid the best of luck, and I hope he does go and prove that he's an NHLer, which will suck for Flames fans. I get it, but I just, I'm just i rooting for the kid because he's such – I don't know if he's an NHLer. I honestly do not know if he's an NHLer. And I wish that the circumstances would have allowed this new regime to find out as a member of the Calgary Flames. And that's one of my biggest piss-offs from last year is the way that was the way Daryl handled that point blank. I just did not, I didn't think that was the right way to handle it at the time and now looking back. But I hope he I hope he's able to succeed. I really do. That'd be cool to see. Absolutely. You've always got to root for the Calgary kid, first and foremost. The fact that he's going to find out whether or not he's in NHL or doesn't happen in his hometown. But that's okay. Sometimes you need a fresh start, and he's going to a fresh start, but a place that he de- technically has some familiarity with arguably the guy that's been in his corner the most for through the past two seasons in Mitch Love, as you mentioned. So good for him. First of all, one-way deal. I, I believe it was Darren Haynes that had the tweet. He's going to make more this year than he has based off of his past contracts combined. Yep. So you've got a little financial financial security coming your way, but you also know that you're going to now get a legit chance to yep. be an NHLer. And that's all you want for for Matthew Phillips because he's been pushing and pushing and pushing for so long. Flames Talk underway on this Tuesday. Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement-y. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program, this week going to start checking in on some of our uh, Canadian teams, maybe some Pacific Division teams, and what they've done so far in the offseason. And if we're going to do that, where else would we start other than in our own province? And if we're going to take a look, at the Edmonton Oilers. Well, where else would we start than with our bunny Reed Wilkins, the host of Oilers Hockey on 630 Chet on the Oilers Radio Network. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Hello, Mr. Wilkins. Atlas Pizza, they're cooking one up for me right now. My show ends at 7.30 tonight, a little earlier break, so if they uh, get into that delivery van in the next 10 minutes, should be here right for 7.30. I'm working up an appetite for some Atlas pizza. Look at nobody is more energetic. Like if you've ever seen Reed uh, do his show, he's uh, on the treadmill. He's doing jumping jacks all throughout the show. It's very, very high energy on uh, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. The most high energy show I think that's ever been put together, to be perfectly honest. I can't argue with that. <laughs> 
You know, very matter of fact. How are you, pal? Well, I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me, Pat. I heard there's someone else there with you as well, Aaron? Yeah, Aaron Vickers is sitting across from me. He's uh, sitting in with me over at uh, NHL.com. A little silent assassin going on over here. Is it an Aaron A-A-R-O-N? Yes, A-A-R-O-N? It is A-A-R-O-N. I appreciate you checking. You're not an A-R-O-N. I have seen that out there. Or A-R-R-O-N. That also... Or A-R-Y-N. Oh, yeah, that's... When I was a kid, uh, I had a hockey minor hockey teammate whose first name was Aaron, A-R-R-O-N. And I thought that's how you spelled Aaron. And then as I've gone through life, I've realized there are many more double A-R-O-N. Yes. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Asham really ruined it for us right off the hop there. I will say that because he's A-R-R-O-N. Yeah, really, really did. Really did. Uh, Reed's, really did, you Reed's guys. Spelt, of okay, course. well, thanks for having me. Uh, You're R-E-E-D, oh. correct? R-E-E-D or R-E-A-D. I don't know how to why spell would you, Now, why would you troll me like that? Well, you purpose? started it. You can't you know go down a, now, that direction. Know, okay, yes, I am... Uh, R-E-I-D, the correct spelling of Reed. Uh, I do get, I've got some funny spellings over there. I get a lot of R-E-E-D still. Have you ever got uh, R-E-A-D? I have. Uh, once somebody texted in R-E-A-D-E. Ooh. And then I try to think like, okay, what's their mindset when they're sending that? Are they thinking like, well, it can't be the same as like read a book. I'll just put an E on the end. <laughs> that must be the That must be the name. Uh, I, I honestly, one of the most common misspellings of my name when I get a note, and some of these from coworkers who I've worked with for years, I still get an R I E D. I get that a lot. Sometimes I'll say to people like, "Why did you put R I E D?" And they'll say, "Well, I before E, except after C." And in my name, I guess I have to add that on to the the little jingle. Um, but I, once I got some cookies left at my desk for Rob Wilkins, so I didn't eat them cause I'm like, I don't know who that is, but, uh, yes, it is R E I D now Reed Richards from the fantastic four, probably a more famous read than me is R E E D. So I guess that's why people might think it's R E E D. This has been illuminating. Uh, I've and... worked in comic books and pizza and we're still going to talk hockey. That's what I bring to your show. I don't know if we are, to be perfectly honest, we may have to go deeper into this. No, I'll fine. I'll, I'll ask you about No, I wonder, I wonder if part of why we are having this inane conversation is because the Oilers have been almost as busy as the flames have in free agency. Neither Alberta team has taken a big swing in free agency. Uh, tell us about the Oilers. a quiet first three or four days as free agencies opened up. Was that the anticipation in your market? Well, it really was. I, I mean, they, they signed the guy that we've been talking about for weeks. They got Connor Brown, and they don't have any money. Yep. So it was kind of like, okay, we're done. Uh, I mean, obviously there was well, – they, they did re-sign Matthias Janmark before he went to free agency, so I guess you can kind of count that. Uh, they did lock up Derek Ryan uh, two or three weeks ago now, I guess. So, you know, he's another guy who would have been a UFA. Uh, they did not resign Nick Bukestad, who would have been another UFA. So, yeah, it was like they got Connor Brown for cheap this coming year. But then if he plays 10 games, there's another $3.2 million on the cap next year, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, there, there's really not a lot of wiggle room. And... 
I mean, look, they do have a good team. It's not like they needed to overhaul the whole roster or needed seven new players to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, they, I know they lost to Vegas, so of course you can say, well, they were missing this, they were missing this, but I think some of it was just some players didn't perform how they needed to at the right time. So they got Connor Brown, which I think is a positive signing. Um, I don't know if I play too much into the storyline of, oh, well, he played with Connor McDavid. Well, he did. What was it, nine years ago? Ten years yeah. ago? Like, okay, if they had some rapport, great. I, I don't know if that just automatically comes back almost a decade later. Though, I mean, there could be some camaraderie and, and stuff there that might help. Um, but I, I think, I mean, here's the thing with the Oilers. They, they've improved a lot the last three or four years. Uh, they've improved down the roster and they've improved at the top too, because even when they finished second in the Canadian division in 2020, a lot of that was, they had the big three, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl and McDavid. And then they added Zach Hyman and then they added Evander Kane. So they kind of had a top five. They, even the last couple of years, they, they haven't had a true top six. I mean, certainly Yamamoto had uh, some moments where he looked like a top six player. Um, you know, they cycled a few other guys through there. Actually, Pliarvi's, uh Canadian division season wasn't that bad, mm-hmm. and they didn't do much after that. So they were still trying to find somebody else to play there. I mean, the, could have it been Dylan Holloway uh, coming out of camp last season. He sort of got a bit of a chance, didn't really take advantage of it. So I think with Connor Brown, I think he is a top six player. Like, I, I don't, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he's, you know, a pretty good fifth or sixth forward on most teams. And that's what the Oilers need. It doesn't really, really matter which center he plays with or what the line combinations are. I, I know he's sort of been called Zach Hyman light. Um, and he was on, on one of our shows today and he said, well, like Hyman weighs 25 pounds more than me. So it's maybe not a direct comparison to how they play, but you know, he's a dogged determined player who, um, you know, sort of had to rely on work ethic a lot to make the NHL and he scored 20 goals twice in his career. So, I mean, if, if he's healthy and he plays with those guys, I, I guess the simple question for Oilers fans, or if you're looking at the Oilers, if, if Connor Brown gets Yamamoto's ice time, does he get more goals? And I think it's fair to say the answer is, is probably yes. You know, can he, if he gets around 20 goals and, uh, and works pretty hard, is, is that a good signing for them? I think it is. Reed Wilkins is with us, host of Oilers Hockey on 630 Ched. Um, what, so, so, cause there had been, it was almost a foregone conclusion that at some point this summer, Yamamoto was going to be elsewhere. How come, why, why is Kyler Yamamoto, a former first round pick of the Oilers, no longer with the organization? How did it get to this point? Yeah, that's a good question, Pat, because I, I, I mean, I always kind of, I, I like Yamamoto's work ethic. Uh, I, I think as a, as a guy who's uh, not very tall myself, I do have a bit of a soft spot for, for players with smaller statures. So I, I got to tell you this, uh, Yamamoto was always listed as 5'8". I'm 5'8". I often interviewed and stood next to Kyler Yamamoto when he didn't have skates on. He's not as tall as me, okay. so I think you know he might be five six or five seven. So essentially, but you're an NHLer. Is ba- you got an NHL body? Is what you're saying? That's re- that's really what I'm saying. Okay. Yes, I I have a, an NHL body uh, fueled by several craft beer products and Atlas Pizza. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I think for Yamamoto, he often played in the top six, 
and his numbers and his finish didn't show it. It wasn't lack of effort, and a lot of times it wasn't even lack of chances. Um, but, I mean, there was, uh, I, I think it was the previous season, you know, we were 10 games into the season and he had two points, you know, and then the same kind of thing this year. You know, we were 15 or 20 games in the season and he's, you know, averaging a point every, you know, fourth game or something like that. Like, you just you have to be more productive and finish more chances if Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid is your center. Right. So, and then, and then, and then the contract, I mean, so, la- so last year, like I'm talking 2022, he had a stretch in February and March where he got something like nine goals in just over a month. And he, we wound up getting to 20 goals and you're thinking, okay, maybe Yam was back. And then this year that scoring wasn't there and he was derailed by an injury so he just wasn't worth $3.1 million. I think the Oilers would have been happy to have him on the team at a million and a half like Seattle got him, but they just couldn't justify the $3.1 million salary anymore. And I, and I get it. Some people might say, well, Holland's the one that signs him to that, and then he has to get out of it. Yeah, you know, fair enough. But I think when he signed with that contract, he was hoping he was going to be able to be a little more, more productive and stay a little healthier. So... And it's funny because Craig Conroy, when he spoke to us on on Saturday after the Flames were the only team on day one not to make a move, he said, yeah, there's a day where teams spend a lot of money. We don't have a lot of money. Uh, Those were like verbatim his words, and it's very, very true, similar to the Oilers as they try to, they, they, you know, they had a contract to potentially renegotiate with Clem Costin and one year left. uh, Sorry, a qualifying offer on, on Yamamoto and all that type of stuff. So, are they gearing up to do anything else, or is this pretty much the roster that you're expecting coming into the season? Yeah, Pat. Uh, I mean, I, I think it is pretty much the roster, okay. and so so they have uh, five point uh, six million left, I believe. I don't have cap friendly in front of me. The anticipation is is that they will lock up Bouchard and McLeod for about five and a half combined. So. You got nothing left, and and they and that's with Lane Peterson on the roster, who's going to be in the AHL. Um, you know, probably Raphael Lavoie on an entry level deal will be on the team in his place, so that eats up the extra, a little over a hundred thousand. So unless they trade somebody, then they really don't have room to do anything. You, you know, like this is this is pretty much the team now. I guess never say never, but they, they, you'd have to subtract from the roster if you wanted to bring somebody in, and then you're looking at overall, well, would the roster actually improve with the player you're getting rid of versus the player that you bring in? So I, I can't see much much happening. I, I think okay. that they're they're willing to give the players that they have a chance. I mean, of course, there are a couple of guys who didn't have great playoffs who were, or do, who didn't have great not no i mean they had a good year so most guys had pretty good seasons but you know cody cc was better uh the previous year than this year he was also hampered by an injury most of the year so i'm sure they're thinking well do we trade this guy or do we say hey you're gonna rest over the summer and probably bounce back so i think this is pretty much the Oilers team uh i, I mean brown will be new like i said holloway will probably be on the team uh lavoie will probably be on the team who is a pick from a few years ago and then they go from there so they lose out to Vegas, the eventual Stanley Cup champions this year in round two. Year before, they lose out to Colorado in the Western Conference Final. Again, the eventual Stanley Cup champions. They add Brown. Is this a group that you feel can... Again, 
Did they need a piece to get over? Did they need somebody to be ready to topple the the top of the mountain teams in the Western Conference? Or is the solution going to be from within that core group? Here's what I would say, Pat. And they do have a really good team. I mean, they, they were sixth overall. They finished 14-0-1. No, and, and, and I think everybody and, in this city begrudgingly yeah. accepts that. Yeah, and it wasn't like it wasn't an accident. Um, I guess, and, and maybe this won't be fully answered until playoff time. I guess what I would wonder is, first of all, of course, goaltending. You know that applies to almost every team, and, and you know Skinner didn't play as well as he did in the playoffs as he as he did in the regular season. I just wonder if they get into another series with Vegas or whoever they might meet down the road. Are they, are they, I'm trying to find, cause all the words I'm thinking of, I can't quite say on the radio. Like, are they, do they have enough jerks on the team? I guess yeah, what I know saying. what you mean. Do maybe, they have maybe enough gamesmanship. Yes. Cause that to me, Vegas was greasy, almost one through 12, you know, and the Oilers, and here's the the interesting thing about the Oilers. Some of their meanest guys, to use that term, their greasiest guys, are also their most skilled guys. So, like, to me, Leon Dreisaitl is one of the dirtiest players in the league. And I mean that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so, there's some players I would call dirty, and I wouldn't mean it as a compliment. But he's the kind of dirty that, like, he's not the kind of dirty that's going to take a lot of penalties and get you suspended. Though I know he does take penalties. But... You know, he's learned how to use a stick. He's learned how to chirp. He's learned how to defend himself. He's he's learned how to be a bit of an SOB when he needs to be. I think McDavid has that in him. You know, certainly Kane is like that. Well, that's three of your top six forwards. Um, so they they had, like, effective players, but do they have enough guys in that bottom six who might say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have – I'm going to give Leon a break tonight. I mean, that, that's the beauty of Vegas. Like, if Mark Stone was one of their best players, he could go out there and grease it up with the best of them. Or if he didn't feel like it, he could wink at the guy who's giving him the stick and say, yeah, you know what? Kolasar's coming out. Deal with him tonight. You know what I mean? Like if, if Leon skated off the ice, who was the next line coming out that was going to have that physicality, that grease, that gamesmanship? Um, you know, Derek Ryan and Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogel was a pretty good line against Vegas. None of those guys play that way. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe McLeod will have that in him as he gets older. Derek Ryan isn't like that. We don't need him to be like that. But like Vegas kind of one through twelve was like we're 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 coming after you. And and we're you know, we'll we'll push our grandma down to win that Stanley Cup sort of thing. Yeah. You know? I that's the one thing if the Oilers could have got a player like that, you know, that just had that relentless Nice guy off the ice, but just turns into a complete bastard, quite frankly, yeah. when he puts on hockey equipment. And they think I'm not saying they need four guys like that. Maybe they only need one. You know, maybe maybe they only need one or one or two. And that's that's what I'm wondering. And maybe that tale's not going to be told until the next postseason. Uh, okay, get out of here. Uh, good to chat with you. Good to catch up. We will do it again, I'm sure, this off season. Always good to chat with you, Reader. Good stuff, man. Well, you guys are truly two glorious human beings, and I cherish every moment that I get to share the airwaves with you. I uh, I will be writing, writing about this in my journal tonight. Okay, see ya. Bye, bye Reed. Uh, that's Reed Wilkins, who, look, there are few people that can top Ryan Pike for an awkward goodbye. 
Reed Wilkins might be one of them. Now, Pike just says, Pike will give you this effusive interview. You'll talk to him for 15 minutes. Hey, Pike, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Come on. You're like, oh, uh, Pike's already just hung up. Just smoke bomb, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, come on. See, dude. Okay, that's how we're ending this conversation with huh. Pike. I think he's telling me I linger too much. No, no, no. There is a, there's a happy, but between you and, no, you're fine. Uh, thanks to Reed Wilkins. We'll uh, we'll dive in. Winnipeg's a really interesting team out west. Vancouver, I'm still not exactly sure what Vancouver's direction is. Winnipeg is in a very similar situation as Calgary is with kind of forced transition in a lot of ways. All that later on this week on Flamestock. Thanks to Reed. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, Atlas Pizza, of course, is a 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. We've got a uh, we've got a huge crew working on Flames Talk on this Tuesday. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. We've got Cam. We've got Azam. We've got Callum. We've got Ben all working on Flames Talk today. And this hour is the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover visit calgarylockandsafe.com